Hello from the newsroom of the Financial Times in London, I'm Josh Noble. Today we're looking at the catastrophic collapse last week of a road bridge in the Italian town of Genoa, killing more than 40 people. Ben Hall, Hannah Roberts and Elaine Moore discuss the response of Italy's new government to the tragedy and the penalties facing the company that managed the bridge. Hannah, this awful tragedy seems to have unleashed an almighty blame game in Italy. But do we know anything more about what caused the collapse of this bridge? Well, even the original architect raised concerns himself about his design back in 79. There's always been some concerns about the original design because the stays, the steel cables which support the bridge and are encased in concrete for design reasons, have a major flaw, which is when they get corroded, which they have done in the sea air in Genoa, as the water gets in, this corrosion, which is normal in all suspension bridges, is not visible from the outside, so you don't know how bad it is. But there have been some signs of sort of damage and distortion from the outside. And last year, there was a study by a university in Milan, which pointed out that corrosion was quite likely And because of this report, some work was commissioned to start this autumn. Too late, unfortunately. And there had already been quite a lot of work done to shore up one end of the bridge, isn't that right? Yeah, over the years there's been various repairs. But this time they signalled the pillar number nine, which is the one that unfortunately collapsed last week. So they really should have known about it. The repairs were right there on schedule. And Italy's new coalition government has essentially singled out Autostrade, the operator of half of Italy's toll roads and this particular bridge for blame. What are they saying Autostrade did or didn't do? Well, this is the first big emergency for the new coalition, but they're managing to handle it quite well because this emergency really represents all the reasons why they came to power kind of the public's fatigue with the political class and big business. And so the politicians are blaming, and the public are going along with this to some extent, but the politicians are really blaming this combination of big business and the state who gave the motorways concession to business interests back in the 1990s with a license virtue to print money. So uh, the politicians are kind of criticising this cosy relationship between business and politicians where the public were forced to pay to use motorways, but the money was not reinvested for maintenance and repairs, most of the money. So the anger is not really being directed at the new government because they've always been critical of big business and its cosy relationship with the political establishment. Elaine, licence to print money. Is that a fair verdict on the way that Autostrade and its parent company Atlantia have operated in recent years? Well, Autostrade would certainly say no. Since the late 90s, it's the largest toll road operator in Italy. And it has said that it invests a lot of money in keeping the roads going. It's made it very clear that it thinks that it's done a good job, that it spends a lot of money on capital expenditure, and that... It also has a responsibility to look at what has happened, but it has fallen short of apologising so far. It said it's very sad for the victims and it has 
held an emergency meeting and suggested that it could offer about 500 million euros in aid to start with and that figure could get larger but it has yet to say that it's responsible for this collapse and it certainly doesn't say that it is running a bad business. And Italy's prime minister suggested that it might be four or five times that amount of money that the company would have to cough up. Is that going to really hit the company or can they take that in their stride, so to speak? It would. So you can look at the revenue that the company has made over the last year. That's about six billion. We were having a look at this on the Lex column and trying to work out what should a company pay if it's found responsible for a fatal accident like this one. And determining a price is an extremely difficult thing to do. But if you were trying to penalise a company and you were trying to, say, wipe out profits for the last year, then a charge of 1.5 billion euros would do that instantly. If you were to extend that, then you would be talking about one of the most comparatively large charges that's ever been issued against a company. So the government does seem to be plucking numbers out of the air. Those figures don't relate to the cost of rebuilding the bridge. But how you determine compensation for the victims, the victim's family, is it's a political question, I suppose. And how does Autostrade or Atlantia compare with its kind of European peers in terms of profitability? Is it spending enough on maintenance and investment? Again, this is very difficult. So the amount that they have suggested for this initial aid figure is equivalent to the dividends that were paid out last year. That has been jumped on instantly as a suggestion that perhaps that figure wasn't large enough. The company... It's profitable. It's one of the largest motorway toll road operators in Europe. And what's quite interesting is there was recently a deal that it did to buy a Spanish toll road operator called Abertis. So it effectively has vaporized competition. This could be the reason that it doesn't lose the concession to run Italy's roads. There is effectively no large organization that could replace it. The cost of state renationalization would be huge there's a chance that because there's a lack of alternatives, then Autostrada could keep its concessions. Do you think the government will follow through on its threat to strip it of its concession altogether or effectively renationalise this bit of the road system? I don't think investors think that's going to happen. Although there's been this huge, sharp move in the share price, it's worth about a quarter of its market value from before the accident happened. It's not yet in default territory. It's still up on you know, the share price six years ago. So I don't think that the people that put money into Atlantia think that it's going to lose this concession. Otherwise, without that concession, the company's dead in the water. It couldn't exist anymore. If you thought that was going to happen, the share price would be going down much faster than this. But maybe they're underestimating if the government wants to take it away, it can take it away. And even if it costs the country a lot of money, it can make that decision. I think a lot of it will depend on whether Autostrada and Atlantia can come up with a figure for compensation that is deemed appropriate. Hannah, do you think the government will be determined to sort of make an example of business in this case by stripping Autostrada of its concession? Or do you think they will find some kind of compromise? I think they would very much like to, and that's definitely been the rhetoric so far. But Elaine's certainly right in saying that the Italian state no longer has the capability to run 3,000 kilometres of motorway. They wouldn't be able to get the loans necessary or take on tens of thousands of employees onto their books. So the Ministry of Transport has suggested to me that it would be something that would be done much more gradually and only in the areas where it was most necessary, for example, in Genoa and also in Campania, where there's been another accident. 
it was in 2011, but the criminal trial is just about coming to a close. There's also a clause in the contract which suggests that it would cost the state just as much anyway, even if they did take the concessions away. So it's going to be pretty hard to justify to the public paying 15 or 20 billion to Autostrade to do nothing. Especially when it looks like Italy has some pretty big infrastructure problems that it's going to need to patch up. Is there a sort of sense in Italy that they are now facing a broader crisis almost of their physical infrastructure and that they're going to have to probably raise taxes to pay for it? Is there that feeling of national purpose now or is the country still kind of reeling in shock? Yes, there's a sort of dawning realisation that most of Italy's infrastructure was put in place with the American money from the Marshall Plan after the Second World War. There was huge investment. And if you go even further back, Italy had Europe's first motorway built by Mussolini's regime in 1923. But after the 1970s, very little has been done. And in fact, investment's been going down. It went down from about 14 billion in 2007 way down in the crisis and in 2015 was only about 5 billion compared to 12 billion in Germany. So yeah, there's this realisation that a lot of the bridges and tunnels and road infrastructure from the 60s and 70s is probably reaching the end of its natural lifespan and it's going to be difficult for Italy to find the funding to replace it. There's been lots of talk about projects that have been infiltrated by the mafia and that installations have not been properly constructed. Is that really such a problem in Italy or is that more sort of alarmist? There is a well-established link between the construction industry and organised crime. And organised crime has also managed increasingly to become more white-collar and sort of infiltrate the local councils and local government who award tenders to their um, friends in the construction industry. And once you give some of these projects to a construction company linked to organised crime, they have found that they've cut corners and used substandard materials, for example, concrete that's made with too much sand. It's hard to say how much it's been a factor in the big infrastructure projects like this one, but further down the food chain, certainly. Elaine, the Eurosceptic government in Rome was quite quick to sort of blame European constraints for its infrastructure problems, but... If you go to Spain, you will see how wonderful the roads and bridges are. They don't really have a leg to stand on on this one, do they? I don't think so. It seems as though red tape is a lot to do with the reason behind the speed with which infrastructure is repaired and replaced. But I also think that although fiscal constraints might not be the reason for the problem, Italy's debt burden certainly is. So it owes money that's equivalent to about 132% of GDP. It has to pay back large sums of interest every year. And its borrowing costs, they've been jumping actually since this accident has happened, but its borrowing costs are so far above the rest of Europe. It has to pay about 3% every 10 years, whereas Germany has to pay about 0.3%. So in order to borrow money to fund infrastructure spending, it's paying a lot more than the rest of Europe. And that makes things a lot more difficult and will continue to make things a lot more difficult as they try to repair or replace these roads. That was Ben Hall talking to Hannah Roberts and Elaine Moore. Thanks for listening. We'll be back with more news tomorrow. In the meantime, you can find links to our articles on this story in our show notes. If you're not already a subscriber and would like to discover more FT content, do take a look at our latest subscription offers at ft.com forward slash offer.
Here at Bellingcat, we get to the bottom of things. From a global crisis to an underreported event, we find the facts using publicly available tools and resources, uncovering what is hidden on and below the surface. We connect the dots using social media posts, satellite images, and public records, and empower others to do the same by sharing how we do it. The ability to do so is only made possible by our readers, supporters, and community members. Care to join us? Learn how at bellincat.com.